Got to be more lively than the first service. Please, please. Oh, my gosh. She's like, oh, gosh. Okay, so, all right, let's, uh, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll dive into God's Word, okay? Father in heaven, thank you once again for giving us the opportunity to come together and to, Lord, open your Word, your love letter to us, Lord, and hear you speak to us. We're just so thankful that we have the freedom to come into a place like this, Lord, your house, and to worship you and to pray and to love one another, Lord, and to share your word with one another. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, loud and clear today, that trust that our hearts are ready to receive the very seed of your word. And Father, I decrease that you would increase and to myself of myself, so fill me with yourself, that everything that I say and do, every thought that enters my mind would be of you and not of me. We praise in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. If you have your Bible app, Bible app or Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 4, Proverbs chapter 4. We're now in part 6 of our series. We took a two-week, two-Sunday two break from this series because of Father's Day, and then uh, Brother Gil Medell preached in my absence last Sunday, so let's thank God for Brother Gil. Amen. Did a great job. And so now we're back in, uh, in this series, Wisdom That Works, say Wisdom That Works, part six, and we're now in chapter four. But as always, before I even dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from chapter, thir- chapter three, excuse me, chapter three, verses 13 through 35, that's where we left off. And I give you four points, and so I want to refresh your memories. The first point of chapter three, verses 13 to 35, was embrace wisdom, say that. Embrace wisdom, and that's in verses 13 through 20 of chapter 3. And this is a a beautiful poetic description of the value and the results of wisdom. And Solomon, what he does, he longed for his son and all who read Proverbs, that's us, to seek after wisdom, to embrace it. And what he does, he describes wisdom as a treasure and that nothing can compare in value, not silver, not gold, not jewels, or not anything. And then he says, long life is in her, I love this, long life is in her, speaking her of wisdom, in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. In other words, the life of wisdom is lived to the maximum, uh, to the fullest. It will be a life worth living. And the, the main idea is of richness of life, say richness of life. And then he says, pleasantness and peace come to those who have gained wisdom, and that wisdom becomes a tree of life. I love that, say tree of life to the believer who takes hold of her. And then he says, then he, excuse me, says, by wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations. I love this. By understanding he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge the deeps were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. In other words, wisdom, the wisdom which gives us guidance, the wisdom which gives you and I correction for life is the same wisdom by which God created the heavens and the earth. How awesome is that? The second point uh, of chapter 3 Verse 13 through 35 was, go on my way in safety. Say that, go on my way in safety. And that's the verses 21 through 26. And Solomon says, do not let, speaking of do not let sound judgment, discernment, or discretion out of your sight. Don't let that out of your sight. Uh, Keep them close to you. In other words, keep them before your eyes. He says, they will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety. I love that. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked. And I love this. 
For the Lord, verse 26 of chapter 3, for the Lord will be your confidence, a confidence, and will keep your foot from being snared or caught. In other words, don't be afraid or intimidated when those unexpected sudden disasters show up in your life as to think that God has lost control. He hasn't. He hasn't. And boy, did I need that this week to know that God has not lost control, that God is my confidence, amen, that God is your confidence. The third point was do good to others. Say that, do good to others. And that's in verses 27 to 30 of chapter 3. In other words, in a nutshell, it's pay your debts, fulfill your commitments, meet someone's needs, and don't be a troublemaker. <laughs> that's wisdom. And then the fourth point was stay away from evil. Say that. Stay away from evil. That's verses 31 through 35. And Solomon, when he does, he warns us against envying the evil person who appears to be getting away with his or her wickedness. Don't envy them. Then he gives the contrast. I love this. He gives a contrasting condition of the wicked and the righteous. And he says this, For the Lord detests a perverse man, but, say but, takes the upright into his confidence. And he says the Lord the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers, but gives grace to the humble. The wise inherit, inherit honor, but fools, holds, fools he holds up to shame. The bottom line is this, that fools have nothing to gain but everything to lose, whereas the wise have nothing to lose but everything to gain. Can I get an Amen. This now brings us to today's text. The title of my message is Stay on Course. Everyone say that. Come on. Stay on course. Now, as we go through this chapter, you will notice that it has three divisions. In this chapter, three divisions, each introduced by the address, my sons or my son. And what it is, it's a father, Solomon, speaking to his sons. Well, we can also, and I love this, we can also apply this to our Heavenly Father speaking to us, His sons and daughters. If you got it, say got it. Three points from the day's text. If you're ready, say yes. Number one, here we go. Number one is the Word. Say that. Write it down, the Word. The Word. And let's look at verses one and two. Solomon says, listen, my sons. There's that first division there. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction, pay attention and gain understanding. That's a theme, right? Right? Listen, right? Pay attention, uh, gain understanding. That's a theme in this book. In verse 2, he says, I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. The English Standard Version renders it like this. I give you good precepts. The King James says, for I give you good doctrine, Forsake ye not my law. Say precepts. Say doctrine. Say law. Now, precepts, friends, precepts are a, are a prescribed rule of conduct. That's what a precept is, a prescribed rule of conduct. Doctrine, say doctrine. Doctrine is a belief system. That's all it is. It's a belief system. A good, is it, doctrine is good and right teaching. A good Right teaching belief system. Doctrine determines what we believe, and what we believe, friends, listen now, determines how we behave. Got it? Say law. And the law here in this text is referring to the Torah, which is used by the, by the Jews to describe the first five books of the Bible written by who? Moses. Say Moses. The word Torah means teachings or instruction. Say teachings. Say instruction. 
So Solomon is saying, my sons, don't forget, don't forsake this rule of conduct, the right belief system, this, this, this right belief system, this teaching instruction of the scripture that I'm giving you. And don't let it go in one ear and out the other. Pay attention to it. Don't forsake it. Don't forget it. Solomon then goes on to say it was that way with his father. Who was his father? David. It was that way with his father as well. David, when he was, when he was a young boy, his father David taught him. And by the way, friends, this is a beautiful picture of the value of spiritual and moral instruction from one generation to another. Got it? In the Bible, I love this, the Word of God, the Bible recognizes the spiritual and moral obligation of the present generation to teach the oncoming generation. Look at verses 3 and 4. Let's move on. When I was a boy, Solomon right here, when I was a boy in my father's house, still tender and an only child of my mother. I want to stop there. Solomon's mom was who? Bathsheba. Now, was Solomon Bathsheba's only son? No. So why does it say an only child of my mother? Well, Solomon was her special son and God's chosen heir to the throne of Israel. That's why, that's what referring when it says an only child of my mother. He was a special son, chosen heir to the throne of Israel. If you got it, say got it. Let's read on verse four. He taught me, love this, David, his father taught me, and he said, got to get that, his father taught him and said, Lay hold of my words with all your heart. Heart. David wanted to make sure that as he taught his son Solomon God's word, that it wouldn't fall on deaf ears or a hard heart. And David wanted to just cultivate a receptive heart in his son. And he says, lay hold of my words with all your heart. And then he says this, keep my commands and you will what? Live. You see, obedience to the commands of his father, in other words, from God's word, meant life or death for Solomon. You obey the commands, life. You don't, guess what? Death. Verses 5 and 6. Get wisdom. Everyone say that. Say it with more enthusiasm. Get wisdom. But where do you get wisdom from? God's word. Okay, God's word. Get wisdom. In other words, Solomon's saying, get it. You want it? You want it? You want it? Come and Get it. And, and the idea is that wisdom will cost something, but it's worth it. It's worth it. So get wisdom. Come get it. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Verse 6. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her. Say love her. And she will watch over you. In other words, this is what it's saying. Wisdom protects and guards us against situations that are worldly, foolish, and unstable. And against people who are worldly, foolish, and unstable. And what it is, wisdom is that voice in our heart that says, don't do that. Don't connect with that person. Or this isn't good for you, okay? This isn't smart. Don't, don't, make, don't make that foolish decision. Don't go that way. That's the voice in our heart. Now, I want to say this before I move on. The most important instruction for a child begins in the home. In the home. In the home. And children need to be taught and trained by their parents, by their parents, instructing them in the Word of God, 
moral and spiritual instruction, teaching them what is true, teaching them what is holy, teaching them what is right. And by the way, the word parents in Hebrew is the same root word for teacher. Because the parent is the first and most important teacher. A parent is the first role modeling that a child ever sees. So we as parents have a very important role in the life of our children, amen? Now I want to say this. If you have godly grandparents or godly parents, you ought to thank God for their rich heritage. Thank God for that. Verse 7, wisdom is supreme. I love this. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom, though it costs you all you cost all you have, get understanding. In other words, what Solomon's saying is wisdom is the principal thing. It's the chief, the chief gain. Therefore, get it, Solomon says. Get it. Get it. Get wisdom. In Hebrew, it literally means make up your mind and pursue it. Go after it. Go after it. It'll cost all you have, but guess what? It's worth it. It's worth it. Now listen, and I want to say this. People set goals and work very, very hard to reach those goals. Others spend great effort to get rich, make a lot of money, and others search diligently for happiness. But I want to say this. All these goals fade in comparison to the value of acquiring wisdom and understanding. Well, where do you get, again, here we go, where do you get God's wisdom and understanding? His word, God's word. And wisdom isn't something you gain through education. It's what you get from paying attention to God's word and obeying it. Now, if you're saved, say amen. Nothing in life, say nothing in life, is as valuable as the wisdom to know and do God's will and to understand how to respond correctly to the obstacles and opportunities in your life. Huh? Verses 8 and 9, if you're still with me, say amen. Esteem her, speaking of wisdom, and she, wisdom, will exalt you. In other words, she'll bring advancement in your life. Did you love that? Bring advancement. Then it says embrace. He says embrace her, and she will honor you. In other words, will bring you respect. People will respect you because they see that you're a person of wisdom. You're making good decisions. Verse 9, she will get, excuse me, set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. I'm going to read that again. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. You know what that is? This is a poetic way of talking about unnamed blessings. Unnamed blessings. Wisdom, in other words, will bless you. Do you want to live a blessed life? Not a rhetorical question. Do you want to live a blessed life? Then... Have wisdom, because wisdom will bless your life. Amen? Wisdom will set a garden of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. Unnamed blessings. So this is the instruction that David gave to his son Solomon during his life. So you guys ready for the lesson? We always have a lesson, right? Here's a lesson. Know God's word and obey it. Know God's word and obey it. Now, since wisdom is found in God's word, we must take, listen now, take the time and make the time to study it, meditate upon it, know it, and apply it to our lives. Right? Now, remember this? You guys remember this? Wisdom 
is putting knowledge into practice. That's what it is. Putting knowledge into practice. Knowledge is not wisdom. Wisdom is putting that knowledge into practice. Knowing what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. And this is the deal. You can know God's word, know God's word, but if you never apply it to your life, it's not wisdom. Are you with me? So it's taking what we know as we read God's word and applying what we know to our lives. Got it? So know God's word and obey it. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. Say the word. Number two is the walk. Say that. The walk. Write that down. The word, now the walk. Because when, when we receive and follow, got to get this, when you and I receive and follow God's word, it enables us to think and to walk the path of life wisely. Wisely. In other words, you and I, we're getting guidance. We're getting his, God's guidance that helps us to make right, sound decisions. Yeah? Right decisions. And it keeps you and I from limping, from stumbling, and from straying away from God. I want to say this, the metaphor of life as a way, a, as a, a way or path, the metaphor of life as a way, of, a way or path, it's common, is common in Israelite wisdom. There's always this metaphor in Jewish thinking, Israelite wisdom of life as a way or a path. And by the way, this next section, as we break it down right now, is similar to Psalm chapter 1. In fact, go home and read Psalm chapter 1. It is amazing. Wonderful chapter. So as we go through this next section, you'll notice Psalm 1 is similar to this. So verses 10 to 13, chapter 4, our text. Listen, my son. This is the second division. Got it? Listen, my son. Accept what I say. And the years of your life will be what? Many. In other words, it will be a life worth living. Do you want to live a life worth living? Yeah, right? Then get wisdom. Verse 11, I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. Listen now, verse 12, here we go. When you walk, say walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. I want to stop there. Solomon's saying when you have he said, he's saying this, when you have wisdom in your life, you will have a steady, stable life. You will know where you're going. You know exactly where you're going, okay? You're not going to stagger helplessly here and there, no. You're going to have direction because why? Because you have read God's word, and not only read God's word, but you followed God's word. Got it? Let's read on, verse 13. Hold on, love this, hold on to instruction, do not let it go, guard it, say guard it, well, for it is your what? Life, it's your life, it's your life. Hold on to instruction, do not let it go, guard it, keep it, guard it well, for it is your life. Solomon again, what he's doing here, he's emphasizing the value his sons and all who read this, us, should have for wisdom. We should value wisdom. We should value wisdom. Verses 14 through 15, you're still with me, say amen. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Verse 15, avoid it and do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your what? On your way. In the Hebrew, it, it's literally written, the path of the wicked, don't go in. That's the way it's written in Hebrew. The path of the wicked, 
don't go in. It's like a, a, like a sign posted on the road. And it's a sign that says, beware, this is a path of the wicked. Don't go on it. Avoid it. Turn away from it and go your way. Sign. Are you guys with me? And by the way, I want to say this. Listen, church. Christians, the more we step onto the path of the wicked and engage in that path, the harder, the more difficult it is to step away from it. It's a snare. Now, I know my weak spots in my life. I do. I know my life. I know my weak spots in my life as well as I know the areas of victory in my life. And I want to tell you, friends, and you guys that know me, you know me this. You know this about me. There are some places I won't go. There, there, are, there are things I won't watch or listen to. There are websites I won't go on. There are folks I won't hang out with. And you're like, oh, okay, Mr. Righteous. Okay, yeah, you're Mr. Righteous. No, 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 no. It's not about being Mr. Righteous. I'm just being wise. And I'm letting wisdom, what I'm doing, I'm letting wisdom guard my walk. I'm letting wisdom guard my feet. I'm letting wisdom guard my path. Listen, a believer, if you're safe, say amen. A believer who is saturated with and by the word, filled with wisdom, sensitive to the Holy Spirit, friends, will know when to put on the brakes. They will. They'll know when to say no, when to walk away. They'll know when to change the channel. They'll know when to leave the crowd. Because they're filled with wisdom, they shun from any appearance of evil, and they'll run just like Joseph did. Run like the wind. And you know what? They can see the end result of a bad choice. People with wisdom. They can see the end result of much pain. So what's the lesson? You guys ready for the lesson? Pay attention to the road signs. Pay attention to the road signs. As you live your life, as you go about your daily life, there are road signs. Some that say this is the right way. Some say not a good way. And you have, listen now, it's up to you which road you're going to choose. Are you with me? And Solomon was saying, sons, he says, hey, when you go this way and you see this sign, this wicked way, don't go that way. Don't go that way. Turn from it. Avoid it. And go your way. Are you guys with me? And so we got to be very discerning Okay, and use wisdom to know which road to take. Which Okay, that's not a good sign. If it says it's not a good way, then I'm not going to go that way. We need to pay attention to the road signs. Got it, Christians? So pay attention. Pay attention. Let's move on, verses 16 through 17. For they, speaking of the wicked, cannot sleep till they do evil. They are robbed of slumber till they make Someone fall. In other words, they're so completely devoted to evil conduct that they cannot sleep until they find expression for it. In other words, friends, it's like an addictive drug to them. Now look at verse 17. They eat, say eat, the bread of wickedness, and drink, say drink, the wine of violence. Let me read that again. They eat the bread of wickedness, and they drink the wine of violence. In other words, listen now, whatever they take in is what they have become. Got it? They are fed on that. They are fed on that. And they start doing those things. They eat the bread of wickedness. They drink the wine of violence. Whatever they take in is what they have become. 
Whatever you take in is what you will become. Yeah? Verses 18 and 19, the path of the righteous. Say righteous. The path of the righteous, I love that, is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. Now, you got to love that, right? you got to love that. So underline that, highlight that, circle that. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. Verse 19, but here's the contrast. Notice the contrast. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Now, you notice what Solomon does here? Solomon uses a metaphor, notice that, right, of light and darkness. It's a metaphor. Because back in Solomon's day, friends, they didn't have street lights like we do. These bright street lights, the only thing they had was the light of a candle or perhaps a fire torch. I don't know. But the darkness meant more to them from the standpoint of understanding that it's dangerous to go out in the dark. Now, as I said today, we have street lights and our cars have these wonderful headlights, right? LEDs and all these other things, right? And so we can see the way very clearly. They shine the way in front of us so we know where to go, right? Well, Solomon's day, to go out, what he's saying, to go out at night was to open yourself up to great danger and vulnerability. and You really couldn't see where you were going. And so the picture of darkness that Solomon paints here as he speaks to his sons, as he speaks to all of us, is a picture of danger. Darkness is a picture of danger. Well, on the other hand, wisdom, say wisdom, brings illumination to be able to see where you're going, to be, see, to be able to see where you're, you're walking so you won't stumble. Because truth and righteousness, say righteousness, are compared to bright, straight, safe roads. Got it? I want you to write this down, John 8, 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. And Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. And he is, amen? Whoever follows me, if you follow him, say amen, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I'm going to say it again, and I just want just to shout at the end, say amen. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Follow me here. Follow me here. The path of the righteous is tied to light and life. Because it's tied to light and life, it's instructive, illuminous, safe, and pleasant. The path of the wicked is tied to darkness and insecurity. Therefore, it's a gloomy, dark, dangerous path. So, so just as light characterizes the righteous and their walk, so darkness characterizes the wicked and their walk. So question, what characterizes your walk? Think about it. Well, I call myself a believer. Well, praise God you do. But hey, what characterizes your walk on your daily walk as you go about your life? Do people see that you are walking on a, on a path of righteousness and light or darkness and wickedness? What does God see as you're walking through your life? What does God see as you're doing your daily things? Is your, is your life characterized by righteousness or wickedness? And hopefully, friends, it's, it's characterized by a walk of righteousness. Amen? 
So the word, fill ourselves with the word, the walk, walk this way. And number three is the way. Say the way. And I want you to write this down. The way of uprightness. Okay? The way of uprightness. Write that down. The way of uprightness. Be still with me. Say amen. Verses 20 through 22. My son, this is the third division now. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Verse 21, do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your what? Come on, say it. Heart. Verse 22, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body or a woman's whole body. So what Solomon is saying here is, listen now, the possessor of wisdom will be healthy and whole in their relationship with God. Don't you want to be healthy and whole in your relationship with God? Yeah. Listen, walking in God's way is to walk the way of wholeness for the whole of our being. The way of uprightness. Now, I want you to notice something, okay? I want you to notice that Solomon, what he does, and what's about him, he tells us four things to pay attention to. Now, it's not on your screen, but just write it down. The first thing he says to pay attention to is the heart. Write it down, say the heart. He tells us, tells his sons, tells those who are reading this book, pay attention to the heart. The heart, say the heart. Why? Because it all starts in the heart. Look at verse 23. Above all else. In other words, whatever you do, focus on this one thing. Okay, here we go. Above all else, whatever you do, focus on this one thing. Here we go. Above all else, guard your heart. Do you get that? Guard your heart. For it is a what? Wellspring of life. Life. Did you know that the word heart is used 85 times in the book of Proverbs? 85 times. Hebrew scholars tell us that the heart and mind, they're synonymous. And the heart simply means the inner you, your your character, okay? Who you are, listen now, who you are before God when no one else is looking and when no one else is around. Okay? What it does, it includes our mind. In other words, the thoughts that you and I think. So the heart, get this now, the heart is the master control of your life. That's what it is. The decision-making center, if you could say that. The, the source of motives, the seat of passion, the center of the conscience. And what it does, it includes the intellect, the emotions, the will, the whole inner person. This is it. It is the fountain of actions. Of my actions, in your actions, the fountain of our actions. So you ready for the lesson? What goes on in your heart is what goes on in your life. Get that? What goes on in your heart is what goes on in your life. Every, if you're safe, say amen. Everything you do flows from your heart. Everything. Everything. It affects everything you do. It affects all of your life. Heart. 
the center of emotions, the source of motives, the heart. Write this down, Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Luke, Luke 6, verse 45. And it says this, and pay attention here. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. That's what it says. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. For out of the overflow of his or her heart, his or her mouth speaks. That being said, a wrong heart produces wrong living, wrong actions. On the other hand, a pure righteous heart produces right living and right actions. Warren Wiersbe said this, if we pollute that wellspring, the infection will spread. Before long, hidden appetites will become open sins and public shame. So to let sin in the heart, listen now, get this now, to let sin in the heart is to corrupt the whole life. Not a portion, not a part, the whole life. So we as believers, we need to be very, very, very careful what we allow into our heart. We need to guard it, keep it with all diligence. And I want to say this, it's a daily discipline. It's a daily choice. Right? When you and I get up in the morning, okay, we, we, we got to make the choice, be deliberate, and say, today, I'm going to get up, I'm going to guard my heart. It's a choice. You and I need to make that choice. Today, I'm going to guard my heart. I'm going to put myself in situations that are godly. I'm going to feed myself with the Word of God. I'm going to do all these things. My heart. Are you guys with me? But it's a decision, a choice that you and I have to make. It's a discipline. And so I would just encourage you as you daily get up, say, Lord, today, today, I am going to guard my heart. Someone said this, the greatest difficulty in conversion is to win the heart to God. And the greatest difficulty after conversion is to keep the heart with God. Isn't that true? You're safe, say Amen. Managing, listen church, managing and guarding the heart is one of the greatest business of the Christian life. It's not always easy, but we must do it. And she so say, okay, I hear you saying, Pastor, guard your heart, guard your heart, guard your heart. Well, well, how do you do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Are you ready? Just two things. It's not on your screen. Two things. First of all, is the Word of God. You want to guard your heart? Be in the Word of God. The Word of God. Say the Word of God. Prove it. I will. Psalm 119.11. Psalm 119.11. The psalmist writes, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Did you get that? It starts with the word. It starts with the word of God. You want to guard your heart? Get up in the morning. Fill yourself with this. Right? that I'm going to get up and hide your word, Lord, in my heart, that I may not sin against you. Say the word of God. The second thing is this, how to guard your heart is prayer. Because word, the word and prayer go together. They're inseparable. They go together. Matthew 26, 41. Matthew 26, 41 says, watch and 
pray. So that you will not fall into temptation, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So you and I must be deliberate and discipline ourselves to get up, be in the word, and pray and say, Lord, I'm going to hide your word in you hide your word in my heart, and I'm going to watch and pray so that I will not fall into temptation. Because I know the Spirit is willing, but Lord, boy, the flesh is weak. So I'm going to fill myself with your word and pray and seek you, Lord. Got it? Now, I don't know what time that is for you, but I got to do it in the morning. I can't do it later on in the evening. Okay? Because I got to start right. <laughs> okay? The bottom line is this, to guard our heart means to put up boundaries on the desires and affection of our heart that may run contrary to the word of God and the will of God. That's what it means. We, if you're safe, say amen. Listen, listen, listen. please listen, Christians. We cannot allow our heart to go places where it's going to get hurt. Or go places where it causes us to stray away from God. Can't do that. Are you guys with me? I'm going to get this. The condition of our heart. The condition of our heart is going to affect every single area of our lives. It is. It's going to affect our relationships. That means our marriage. It affect that. Family. Our friendships. Our job. And above all, our relationship with God. Get that? Either good or bad, it's going to affect your relationship, every single area of your life. Let me ask you this. What words would you use to describe the condition of your heart right now? Think about it. Think about it. What words would you use to describe the condition of your heart right now? Let me ask you this. What has your heart been dwelling on recently, and what has that produced in your own life? Hmm? Goodness, wickedness. Righteousness, unrighteousness, purity, sin, I don't know. But Solomon says, pay attention to your heart. Okay, got it? It's a wellspring of your life. Say the heart. Notice the next thing is the mouth. The mouth. And we're going to talk more about this later on in the series. I'm not going to spend too much time here. But look at verse 24 with me. Put away perversity from your mouth, keep corrupt talk from your lips. Psalm 34, 13. Psalm 34, 13. The psalmist writes, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. So you ready for the lesson? Here we go. Watch what comes out of your mouth. Watch what comes out of your mouth. I'll get this. The heart controls the tongue, right? Right? The heart controls the tongue. So, get this, a guarded heart should result in a guarded mouth. You guard your heart, you guard your mouth. Because our mouth is the microphone to our heart, and it's loud. Right? Follow me. A person with a harsh tongue has an angry heart. A person, a person with a negative tongue has a fearful heart. A person with an overactive tongue has an unsettled heart. 
A person with a boastful tongue has an insecure heart. A person with a filthy tongue has an impure heart. A person with a critical tongue has a bittered heart. On the other hand, a person who is encouraging has a happy, joyful heart. A person who is gentle has a loving heart. A person who is truthful has an honest heart. If you're safe, say amen. We need to think before we speak. I'm always working on that. I always got to watch what I say. Okay, we got to think before we speak. I, I don't know about you, but I need to engage my heart before I put my mouth in gear. Right? Because we can say dumb things, stupid things, hurtful things. Without thinking, we, we can just say things that just will hurt somebody. Reminds me of a husband and wife and they are getting ready for bed and the wife is standing in front of a full-length mirror talking, excuse me, taking a hard look, for, look at herself. So she's looking at herself in this full-length mirror and she says, you know, she says, I look in the mirror and I see an old woman. My face is all wrinkled. Every part of my body is hanging out a mile. I've got fat legs and my arms are all flabby. She turns to her husband and says, tell me something positive to make me feel better about myself. Well, he thinks about it for a while and then says <laughs> a soft, thoughtful voice, well, there's nothing wrong with your eyesight. I mean, <laughs> hey, he's a dead man, right? He's a dead man. <laughs> Think before you speak, right? <laughs> I'm glad you laughed. First service, you're like, huh? I thought they were ready to stone me or something because I said this joke. But isn't it true? We're going to talk more about the mouth down the line, so be ready for that. I'm going to, God is really working on me on that as well. Say the heart, the mouth. Notice what he says, the eyes. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Verse 25, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. And we're going to talk more about that down the line as well, but this is, here's a lesson. You ready for the lesson? Keep your eyes on the goal. Keep your eyes on the goal. So what's the goal? That goal, get this now, that goal is pleasing God with an upright, holy life. That's the goal. That's the goal. I'm going to keep my eyes, look straight ahead, fix my gaze directly before me. I'm going to keep my eyes on the goal. What's the goal? The goal is that when I get up every morning, the goal is this, that I want to please God with an upright, holy life. I want to walk in the way of uprightness. God, whatever I do today, I want to please you. I want to live in a way that brings a smile to your face, brings joy to your heart, Lord. That's my goal. And that should be every one of our goals as believers is, you know what? Hey, he's God, and I want to please. I want to live to please God. Amen? So keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on the goal. I want to, I want to please him. I, I want to be upright and live an upright, holy life before him. The heart, the mouth, the eyes, and lastly, the feet. The feet, say the feet. Look at verses 26 and 27, last verses of this chapter. Make level paths. You gotta get this now. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are what? Firm or established. Verse 27, do not swerve to the right or to, to, the, right or to the left. Keep your foot from what? Evil. 
So Solomon, here he goes, he is urging his son, his son's sons, and us to think about our path. To think about it. And to make sure that we're, listen now, that we're staying on course. Staying on course. Stay on course. Stay, stay on the straight and narrow. So that brings us to the lesson. Are you ready? Be careful where you go. Be careful where you go. In other words, don't get sidetracked. Very, we can get sidetracked very easily, especially in this world. Yeah? So we need to watch where we're going. We need to watch where we're going. We need to avoid all crooked ways. We need to avoid all crooked paths, friends. We need to think about where we're going and think about the consequences. Consequences. And you know, if we truly thought through the consequences, we probably wouldn't make a lot of dumb, foolish decisions that we made in life, right? Because every single decision that you and I make has consequences, whether good or bad. And those consequences will affect every single person in your life and above all, your relationship with God. So be careful where you go. Be watchful, mindful, discerning, use discretion. No, 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 I'm going that way. No, no, I'm going to stay here. Because if I go that way, I know the consequences, and they're not good. They're going to affect those in my life. I don't want to hurt anyone. I'm going to stay here. Stay fixed and focused. So we need to ponder the path of our feet realistically and rationally and ask ourselves, where is this going to go? Huh? Where is this going to go? Where is this heading? And that's what we got to ask ourselves when we're walking in life as we approach these paths. Hey, where is this going to go? Is this good or not? Where is it heading? And when we carefully ponder where we are headed, what it does, it helps us to establish wise direction and helps us to not turn to the right or to the left, but to stay on the straight and narrow. I told someone after first service that, you know what, it's, it's hard. It's, it's a life of discipline to stay on the straight and narrow. It's easy to go to the right or the left. That's very easy. When I told her, I said, that's why Christians, real Christians, aren't wimps. Because they choose the straight and narrow. So, let wisdom, let wisdom guard your heart. Let wisdom guard your mouth. Let wisdom guard your eyes. Let wisdom guard your feet. So, stay in the Word. Fill yourself with the Word. Stay on the right path. Pay attention to the road signs. Stay the way of uprightness. Stay on course. Let's all stand. You can clap. You can clap. 
Father, we thank you for your word and for how you have spoken to us and how we, I trust that we have been challenged, convicted, moved, inspired to know that you've given us your word for a reason, for a reason. And that is, Lord, to walk the path of righteousness, to make the right decisions, to walk in a way that pleases you and blesses you. Oh, that we would guard our heart, our mouth, our eyes, and our feet, that as others see us live our life, that we would bring glory and honor to you. Thank you, Lord, for your word, instruction. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your word for discernment and discretion to make the right choice. Your word is what keeps us on course. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Just real quick here.